All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Better football than basketball right now time? Doesn't sound like Tennessee of the past few years, does it time? Kind of sounds like old school Tennessee time. Maybe at one point they can get both of them together good at the same time again time whatever time of day it is boys and girls it's the right time for the go vols 24 7 podcast west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio hope you're having a good friday morning out there unless of course it's friday afternoon or evening or saturday morning saturday evening you know you could be listening to this one this podcast will will be able to have a little bit more staying power for a couple days It, it still should be relatively fresh so it really could be any day probably be over the holidays though in that case happy holidays everyone Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy uh, Kwanzaa Festivus. I'm a big fan of Festivus for those Seinfeld fans out there. But seriously, hope you're having a good, happy, healthy holiday season, spending it with the ones you love and all those good things. Not just me on this podcast, guys. We've also got uh, Ryan Callahan from across town there. One of these days, we're going to get everybody back in the studio again so we can can do these things properly. But uh, this is why we have the technology. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey Wes, how's it going? It goes all uh, right. It goes all right. It's uh, to be honest with you, it goes uh, pretty tired right now because uh, that getting up for signing day and then going up to Cincinnati and covering that game, coming back, sleeping just a couple hours, getting up, going to football. It, it, it's it's been it's that time of year. Just I'll be honest with you, Ryan. Uh, not not to not to get into that too much, but it's that time of year. You know, you just you're a little bit tired, fighting through some things. Uh, yep. But uh, I'll tell you this: we we got uh, two podcasts coming out this morning. We got. Uh, football, and then we'll probably drop a hoops one after that. And this is probably going to be the happier one of the two right now, from being honest with yeah. you. Uh, I think Tennessee had a Tennessee football. Jeremy Pruitt and those guys had another had a pretty good start to the early signing period. So we're going to talk a little bit about Tennessee's recruiting class here. It's going to be a two-segment episode. We're going to break down all things recruiting and, and early signing period and the future in this first segment. And then we're going to come back and, as always, get to the questions. And there are some pretty interesting ones this week, so we should have some fun with that. But, Ryan, uh, I guess we'll get right to it. Tennessee uh, went into the day ranked 19th, uh, I believe, nationally in 24-7 sports teams' recruiting rankings, added five commitments uh, on when, uh, on Wednesday to start the early signing period, though, including three four-star prospects, and bumped that up to 15th nationally. So a uh, long way to go still, but um, I think it was a pretty good Wednesday for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, we've seen these go a couple different ways in recent years. Uh, you know, there have been some signing days that have frankly been pretty uneventful where Tennessee, you know, is only in the mix for a couple guys announcing. They really get nobody that day. You know, we saw that happen a few years ago under Butch Jones in 2016 or, or so, 2017 maybe. I think that was 2017. You know, 2016, you had Nigel Warrior kind of being the, uh, the, the headliner for a while. Then they get Jonathan Kongbo late. So you had some, you know, on that day it was sort of some mixed news, uh, but, but still a couple of good additions. You see a little bit of everything, but this was an overall good day for Tennessee, which we hadn't really seen one of those in a while. Um, you know, I guess you could say signing day in February was that way, where Tennessee got Henry Toto and Darnell Wright. But that's that was the, the February signing day, which when you know the, there's not much happening in, in the February yeah. one uh, these days with how big the December one has come. You're adding maybe four or five guys at most in most years now in February, so that that's maybe not quite the same, but similar this year. 
to have, you know, essentially five, you know, you could stretch and maybe say six guys. There was maybe a chance of a, a surprise with someone like an Octavius Oxendine. But for the most part, the five guys we thought Tennessee had a real shot at going into early signing day, Tennessee got all of them. They went five for five on those guys. And that's, you don't see that very often. And so that's why nationally you saw a lot of talk of Tennessee being kind of one of the big winners of signing day to get a guy like uh, four-star defensive end Tyler Barron from right here in Knoxville, Knoxville Catholic High School. The best high school uh, in the world, in the history of the world. I, I'm sorry, I forgot the necessary disclaimer. Uh, yeah. But but to get a guy like that, you know, sort of in the middle of the day, um, you know, it was a an expected pickup uh, and has been for a while, but still you, one you can't discount. He immediately became one of the, the highest-ranked guys in Tennessee's class and uh, addresses a huge need as an edge rusher that, you know, maybe he could over time develop into more of a full-time defensive end. But for now, Slides in as an outside linebacker that it's going to help a lot at that Jack position and Tennessee obviously needs all the help it can get there. So that that's a big pickup, you know, started off the day with a, a, a top 100 player in 24 seven sports rankings. Lenise Whitehead, the four star athlete from Athens, Georgia, um, a guy that has, I think most people would agree higher upside at linebacker, um, but he's made it clear that he wants to play running back. So he's going to start off his Tennessee career at running back. And we'll see how that goes over time. But he's he's got good film at running back, too. He's just, I think mean, you look at him and see maybe a potentially special linebacker, whereas at running back, you're not quite sure. He played against a smaller Jeremy private Banks, school. Jeremy Banks 2.0 a little bit, maybe, there. Could be a little bit of that. You know, kind of kind of the inverse. I mean, uh, Banks was thought to be just a running back coming out of high school. And, and then you just sort of found out with him that he's got some real potential at linebacker. With Whitehead, I think everybody's known all along he might just be He's just viewed as a better prospect at linebacker, but sometimes you got to go with this. Uh, and Jeremy Pruitt talked about that on signing day, what, you know, how you kind of approach those situations. And he made it clear, hey, we're going to play these guys where they want to play. Um, it doesn't really do us any good to force these guys into a position that we think they're they're better at if they're not going to be happy there. Uh, you got to have guys kind of fully bought in and um, doing the things they want to do. And you know, if we think they can be productive there, we're going to give them a shot. And, and so Whitehead's clearly going to start off at running back, but. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work there. You, you maybe get, get get a linebacker out of this deal, whether it's a year or two years down the road. And, and you, you, need, you s- need Tennessee needs linebackers across the board right now too. So so either position would be a position of need. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You're looking to build depth at running back, so that that works too. And that's where he's obviously going to start off, and and it may work out great. You know, we all this talk of you know linebacker down the road, it, he may he may end up being better at running back than than people are expecting. He's just not as proven there, I don't think. And when he went to the opening finals back in July, it was as a linebacker. Looks pretty good there. But bottom line is it's a highly ranked guy, and and Tennessee was recruiting him pretty hard for a long time, and and they beat out UCLA to get him on on signing day. South Carolina had been a contender for a while before that, and they sort of faded down the stretch. But Tennessee wins a a, a nice recruiting battle there and uh, and, and gets a, a player they wanted for a long time. And then you know, after that, Reginald Perry, uh, R.J. Perry, as you, as you might see him uh, called in the future. We'll see if that's what Tennessee officially lists him at on the roster here in a few yeah, months. Yeah, we're going to talk about Key uh, Lawrence versus Keyshawn Lawrence, too. But that's yeah, uh, we'll continue that Key conversation. Key is definitely date. an interesting one. You know, he still he still lists himself even on Twitter as Keyshawn. So that, that one's maybe one you don't hear quite as much. But uh, but yeah, so so R.J. or Reginald Perry, uh, defensive lineman, another guy. You know, again, some positional versatility here. He's listed as a defensive lineman. Jeremy Pruitt made it clear he's he's what they're looking for on defense. Six foot six or six seven, three hundred one pounds. I mean, a big, long guy that's grown, added a lot of weight this past year. But he's so versatile that a lot of people are intrigued by his upside at offensive tackle. And I think, given Tennessee's lack of a tackle in this class, you wonder if it's going to work out down the road for him to sort of play his way onto the offensive line. I think it'll just depend on how he looks on defense. 
because clearly Tennessee could use defensive linemen too, but that, that would be a, a nice problem to have if he sort of just, um, you know, plays his way into maybe being a, a more offensive, more of an offensive lineman because he is so intriguing there. Even seeing some of his high school film, he's got some of his offensive line highlights on there and he looks pretty good doing it. So I think there's a lot of intrigue because of that. So we'll see how that one plays out down the road, but he fills a, a big need on the, on the defensive line too. And is really interesting because he's six foot six and you can do a lot of things with a guy that's that big and that long. Um, and then Jimmy holiday, the guy who, who probably is not exciting enough rankings wise for a lot of people, because he's only a, you know, maybe a mid-level three-star right now. But the, the guy who I think a lot of people were really buzzing about once they looked at his film and, and saw what Tennessee was getting there. Uh, and if you follow recruiting, I think you understand this is a bigger pickup than it might look on the surface. And we'll, we'll see where he ends up on sign day. He was just at the Alabama Mississippi all-star game last week down Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where our analysts got a chance to see him. And, and I'm sure a rankings update will come, you know, sort of reflecting what our guys saw down there uh, sometime in January leading up to national sign day in February. A lot of rankings updates are sort of on hold or in the works right now. Uh, we, we weren't making any this week leading up to the early signing period or afterward. So those will be on hold till, till January most likely. But I think you'll see him ranked a little bit higher if I had to guess, um, because everyone I've talked to who's seen him has, has been impressed by his athleticism. He's going to start off at quarterback. Uh, that, that's one thing. He's an athlete. That's what, what we have him listed as. But he played quarterback in high school. He's a great athlete. And, and Tennessee's coaches have made it clear, you know, they've got a plan for him at quarterback. You know, we're going to see how it works out long term. But they've they've made it clear they're they're intrigued by having that kind of guy at quarterback who brings something a little different. You know, he ran a four three eight forty at an opening regional earlier this year in the New Orleans area, uh, and that's some pretty serious speed and athleticism. So, adding a guy like that, no matter where he plays, you know, down the road could be could end up being a receiver and a wildcat quarterback. And if, if that's the worst case scenario, that's a that's a pretty good worst case scenario to have a guy with that kind of speed and, and that kind of versatility who can maybe help you in a you know, at least a part-time Lynn Bowden kind of role at quarterback, you know, that that's a pretty exciting possibility. So uh, whether it works out at quarterback or not, that's a pretty exciting pickup. And then you end the day with a guy like Morvin Joseph, a four-star edge rusher from Florida that was committed to Florida and Florida state at different times this year. Uh, that, that's a pretty nice recruiting win to, to end the day and to end the year. So pretty good day uh, for Tennessee, I think overall. And like you said, they raised, uh, raised their ranking to 15th nationally higher on some sites. I know, but that's based on the 24 seven sports composites. That's sort of an, industry-wide ranking i think they've still got a chance to move up and we'll, we'll touch on that later with a few spots left in this class maybe a chance for tennessee to finish even higher depending on how things fall so a pretty exciting day for tennessee and i think they got a lot of good players uh wrapped up early obviously and, and added some players on, on wednesday to, to what they already had yeah it's interesting that the you talk about a lot of these you know a lot of these high four-star guys and things like that and obviously they're the headliners of the class but but I'm telling you, man, when I, I, I'm not an expert with, when it comes to recruiting stuff, I, I, I do not know more than our analysts know about this. And, and I trust what they're doing. I think they're the best in the business. Um, but you know, sometimes being a three-star doesn't mean you're not a good player. It just means that maybe there's questions about where exactly you fit or some other things that, any number of things can go into it. Bottom line is as soon as I watched Jimmy holiday tape, I was like, Whoa, this kid can run. I mean, this is like um, you can never have too much speed. And and this kid, you know, poor Charles Dave Charles Davis might have given the poor kid the the the, the kiss of death when he compared him to Lamar Jackson there on Tennessee during Tennessee's uh, signing day stuff. I was like, whoa, Charles, maybe putting a lot on that kid right there. Um, but he's he's to me a really exciting player. And and I look at some of these other three star prospects Tennessee got. I I kind of like some of the upside there. So. 
you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here saying I'm not attempting to, to, to be a sunshine pumper. I'm just saying I kind of like this class. No, I, I think that's very fair. I personally, and, and this is, I mean, we'll, we'll see how this looks in several months. We may see these guys on the practice field at Tennessee and think differently of it in, in, uh, in, in nine or 10 months once those guys have gotten on campus and everything. But looking at this class right now, just as it's currently com- comprised. And again, it'll look different probably in February that they'll, they'll probably add a few more guys and we'll see how it looks. Then it might look even better if they're able to land some, some top targets down the stretch, but with what they have already, it's a pretty deep class. I mean, I, I just don't see much potential for dead weight. I mean, that's some, some guys are always going to surprise you. There'll always, always be some busts or guys who, who wash out, you know, pretty quickly, you know, a year ago, we were saying Jared Means was a pretty interesting late addition, and he's already left the program. So yep. you're always going to be surprised by things like that. But bottom line is, I don't see many guys that I look at right now and saying, you know, I really can't see him being, you know, developing into a future starter. And that's what you want. You want a lot of guys who have the potential to to help you in some some major way. And I, I really, I, I just see a lot of quality football players who are going to be at least solid contributors, and a lot who are who had the chance to develop into much more than that. And, uh, and that's what you want to have in a recruiting class. But I think Tennessee's evaluations, that will, they'll be put to the test maybe in some cases. But I think you've just got to look at what they've had and, and some of these guys already. You know, Jimmy Callaway is a great example. Early on was a, a fairly low three-star guy, not, not very heavily recruited. Tennessee jumped on him early, got him by April. And at the time, people kind of – he committed the day of the spring game, and people were kind of like, okay, nice athlete. Is he a corner, receiver? What is he? And at the time, we thought maybe a corner. Well, we got to his senior year, and by the by the end of the summer, we, we kind of thought it's it's looking more like a, a likely receiver uh, that he's going to be for Tennessee. And then by the time September October rolled around, 24/7 Sports has made him a four star. He's starting to get offers from major programs. Late September, Oklahoma offers, and then by signing day, they're having to fight off Florida and Kentucky to hold on to him. So. That, that's the kind of evaluations I think they feel like they've had in this class and guys like that who have maybe flown under the radar for a little while, some who flew under the radar all the way to signing day somewhat. But I think they feel like they've hit on a lot of good football players in this class and and don't really have many who are who are just, you know, unlikely to be contributors or or don't have the upside to be pretty good players down the road. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a couple things that you want to do in every signing class, Ryan. You know, you, you, you want to first off, uh, and I know that, that – you don't want to separate this from the rest of the group, but you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback in every class. And, you know, maybe you can go a year with that one if you get two studs in one year. But even then, history shows one of them is probably going to transfer. So you kind of need – I've always believed in that. You kind of need to get a quarterback in every class. And, and Tennessee got a really, really good one in this class. And, you know, Harrison Bailey's a guy who's, you know, ranked fourth among pro-style quarterback prospects in the composite. He won 24 overall nationally. I mean, some people are even higher on him than that. Bottom line is – Tennessee got one of the most sought-after quarterback prospects in the country, you know, one of the All-America quarterbacks, a guy who uh, gives you a good foundation piece for a class. And then what did Tennessee need to do? Tennessee's needed to do a couple things. It's needed to get bigger, and it's needed to get faster. And I think this class checks both of those boxes. I look at this, you know, they talk about those sort of positional standards they want, those 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 critical factors. You've heard Saban say that. Uh, Jimbo says that. Uh, Pruitt obviously says that. Kirby says that. They believe in those critical factors, and, and that's sort of – and what they mean by that is sort of the kind of the size you're looking for in a position, the size, spank, uh, the, the length, the, the strength, the speed. Do you have – those are the critical factors. Um, you know, the, some of the hip flex stuff with corners, just just the things that they really, really identify as the, the things that are non-negotiable. 
they checked those boxes there. Uh, and they got faster, too. You know, as good as Tennessee's wide receivers have been this season, uh, they're losing a lot of them. And, and they also kind of are a lot of similar players. They're all kind of big body, power forward looking dudes who can get going downhill pretty well. But really what they do is they go up and they get the ball out of the air. They outmuscle defensive backs. And they needed to kind of mix that up. We've said this all year, Ryan. Maybe just one really – just a burner would really help that group. A guy who could take the top off of a defense, who could take like a quick, you know, slant or or kind of a bubble and do something big with it. And I think they got a couple guys in this class who maybe could do that. I mean, some of these wide receivers look really potentially explosive to me. And, I'm Ryan, I'm, I'll give you just a quick heads up. I'm, I'm including – uh, I, I'm including the quarterback holiday in there because I think maybe long term yeah. that makes more sense. But but that kid is electric on film. I mean, I I think some of these receivers and even a guy like Jabari Small. I mean, these are some quick guys. Yeah, no, I I like a lot what Tennessee has gotten done so far at quarterback and receiver. I know some, there was some hand wringing among the among the people who follow recruiting very closely. Um, you know, we, we heard some some criticism of of T Martin as wide receivers coach wondering, well, where, where T Martin is this elite recruiter? Where, you know, where are all these guys, these big time guys he's supposed to be bringing in? Well, he had a few good ones. He just, uh, the people just maybe didn't realize it at first. Uh, Jalen Hyatt was a guy who was you know, only a, only a composite three-star. He was you now he's been a four-star for a long time at 24 seven sports. We saw him back in the spring when he ran a four, three, one at the opening regional in Charlotte. And it wasn't just that, you know, he wasn't just a straight line burner. He's a guy that I saw go up in high points and passes across the middle, come down and and then outrun the defensive back that he was uh, being covered by. So he really did a lot well and, and has great ball skills and won, won 51 uh, out of the 53 games he played in high school and four state championships. So he's a, a winner. He's a he's just a ball player. And then he happens to be a burner on top of that. So they, these are good football players. Like you said, Harrison Bailey, having a quarterback like that gives you a chance. You know, I, I think I've seen enough of these now over the years. You know, I thought Quentin Dormady was an NFL-looking kind of quarterback. I thought, uh, I, I thought at times Justin Worley had had a chance to develop into more. You know, we, we've seen we've seen guys at quarterback sort of flame out uh, at, at places like Alabama, where, where they were highly touted. You know, either didn't last their their whole careers or never developed into stars. So I've learned enough over the years that it's all it's all about what you do once you get on campus. They're, they're, you got to have the things to work with, though, in the beginning. And Harrison Bailey has all the things to work with that you need. And hearing Jeremy Pruitt talk about him Wednesday, I think he's really imp- impressed by the way he's handled sort of being a star since eighth grade. You know, he, he mentioned that he was a guy getting offers in eighth grade, and he never let that get to him in any way. And he's constantly been working to get better. And this past year has really impressed Tennessee because what he's done is slim down, drop a lot of weight. He had some bad weight as a junior. Uh, what was was sort of a bigger guy, you know, over 230 pounds at one time. He slimmed down. Uh, really improved his mobility. He ran a 4.8240 over the summer, and and kind of worked in some running uh, into his game this year. Only ran for about 100 yards, but scrambled enough and just made some plays with his feet enough to let you know he can do that now. So he's never going to be a big runner, but he's improved his game and added that to what was already a strong throwing game. He's become more accurate over time, more consistent. Had a huge senior year, so you feel good about that. And then you throw in these receivers that can make some big plays, and that's a it's a nice combination. I think Callaway and, and Hyatt are both really proven receivers or, or just athletes. You know, Callaway is still a guy who played a lot of quarterback in high school, so you're going to have to develop him there a little bit, but that's usually not a huge issue. All receivers need some fine-tuning once you get them on campus, so he'll be fine. And like you said, Holiday, whether it's as a quarterback or a receiver, that's just an athlete. You want the ball in his hands. They'll, I'm confident they'll find a way to get him on the field and, 
whether, whether that's a part-time role at quarterback, whether he ends up being a starting quarterback one day or whether he develops into a receiver, whatever it is, he's going to find a way to make some plays. And I think having a guy like that in your offense is exciting where you've got some possibilities like that. And then I, I guess, you know, we don't really have time to discuss all 21 of these guys who have already signed, but I, I, I do want to mention here that, that one other thing, Ryan, when I, when you talk about sort of what you want to build in the class, you know, you, you want to get good up front. You want to obviously develop depth up there and, and Tennessee, it's obviously it looks like it's more defensive linemen than offensive linemen. Of course, we'll see when they get on campus. Um, but, but it looks like they've, they've kind of bolstered that defensive line, gotten some better numbers there, because uh, they need kind of a new wave, some some fresh legs to to kind of give some more juice to that group, and I think maybe they've done that. And, and when I look at this class, when I look at all these guys who are probably defensive players, I see guys that Jeremy Pruitt would want to recruit. You know, these are guys who have pretty good size, they move pretty well, and they really, really hit you. They really strike you. And I think they're, they're sort of some dynamic guys. I mean, we don't need to rehash all of this, but I, I've said before that, you know, I think Bryson Eason and Martavius French are both really, really, you know, good-looking linebacker prospects. Even Tamarian McDonald's a guy who can do some things. I like all three of those Memphis guys. Danico Slaughter's a guy we've talked about a lot who I think, I think a lot of us think can end up being a really dynamic player. But when you look overall – it just, to me, Ryan, looks like all of these guys, there's a lot of nastiness in this group and, and a lot of guys who look like they're going to kind of be mean on defense, and that's what he wants. Yeah, and and I, I mean, I start with the defensive lineman because Omari Thomas is almost, you know, in some people's minds, maybe going to be forgotten somewhat because that happened more than a week ago. But that's that's maybe the biggest addition of anybody they, they got down the stretch. And uh, what he what he brings to the offense, to the to the defensive line uh, and, the, and the fact that he could play offensive line down the road if for some reason defense didn't work out but wherever he plays you're just excited to have a guy who's that big and that strong and powerful and even his, his defensive film is good I mean I people have you know heard us say that he's maybe got a, an even higher ceiling on offense but I don't think it's by much uh, and I think what he does on defense you know improves Tennessee's defensive line immediately he's 300 pounds strong as an ox and and has a chance to really improve himself too now that he can sort of focus on one position, get into a college weight room, that, that's always a huge deal for any lineman, and, and add to what he's done now. I mean, he, he's going to be a hard worker. He's going to be a guy people gravitate towards. So I, I think you're talking about a guy who's going to be a leader for Tennessee down the road and just a good player. And, and, and whether he settles down as a nose tackle or a defensive end or whatever, he's going to play multiple spots in the defensive line. He's going to help you right away. Um, you know, Reginald Perry, we touched on him a little bit. And I, I think Dominic Bailey has almost flown under the radar as a four-star defensive lineman in a strong program at St. Francis Academy. Yeah, that's, that's the school that, that's Jeremy a Pruitt. That's a really good program. I was gonna say that's the school Jeremy Pruitt walked into recently and offered six new kids or seven on the same day, raising Tennessee's total of offers at that school out right now to fifteen. They've offered fifteen kids at his school because they're that loaded. <laughs> so he's been practicing against good players every day. He's been very productive in that team's defense. I think that's a nice pickup, and because he's been so solid at Tennessee for ten months. It, he's almost flown under the, ra- under the radar, and, and I like what they added at linebacker. You mentioned Bryson Eason. We've talked about him before. Love his potential. He's I think Jeremy Pruitt threw it out there that he might be 270 pounds or so right now, and I think that surprised some people. But the thing is, yeah, he's a big kid, but he runs like he's 235 or 240. I mean, he's just a good athlete for a guy that big. Yeah, I love the way hits. he moves. I love the way he moves. And, and he hits with the force of a guy who's 265 or 270. I, I saw him force a, a, a few fumbles this year. Um, and, and just really impressed with the way he plays defensively. And, and if he slims down some even more, if Tennessee wants to really keep him at inside linebacker, and I think they would like to, 
he's got a chance to get even better, uh, shedding a few pounds and just kind of toning up what he has now. Uh, and then I love the versatility of a guy like Martavius French. He could play outside linebacker, I think, in the long run. That four might four, be where he yeah. fits in best. Four but four you got some. I'm sorry. No, just a four for four guy. You know, you talk about those four for four linebackers he wants, and that's one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think I think you've got some options there. You've got some options with Tamarion McDonald. You've got a, a, another guy that, that again, is going to start off on offense. But what if Laneith Whitehead ends up being a linebacker? We may, we may look back at this linebacker class as being really strong because I love what Tyler Barron and Morvin Joseph bring to the pass rush. They needed some help there badly in this class. And to get both of those guys on signing day is huge. Uh, and then even in the secondary, not a big secondary class, but Keyshawn Lawrence is the highest rated player in this class, um, a top 100 player nationally. They're going to try to start him at corner. He'll, he, he very well might end up at safety just because that's where he's played a lot and it's where he's maybe more proven. But he's got the length and athleticism to at least give him a shot at corner and, and could probably play all five spots in the secondary. So they love him. Danico Slaughter could be you know a really good contributor at nickel, I think, maybe even safety. Uh, and, and then a chance for McDonald. We'll see where he slots in. They're going to maybe start him in, in the secondary, maybe at safety, but he's a bigger safety. You know, Pruitt kind of compared him to Mark Barron, who played safety and then and a linebacker in the NFL. He's kind of one of those tweeners who could do either one. I, I think if he gets any bigger at all, he's probably a linebacker, but you've at least got some options there. So it's a nice defensive class, top to bottom. And, and I like a lot of those guys, but especially linebacker. I think that group has a chance to really improve Tennessee's roster at linebacker. Yeah, and I remember the. I, I go back to this really quickly because we got to talk about some of these guys Tennessee might be adding. We we need to get that in there. But 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 I I remember when I wrote a couple stories early on, or was when Pruitt took the job, and I talked to some people who knew him in Tuscaloosa. And I'll never forget. I talked to uh, Travis Ryer, uh, our good friend who works for Bama Online. There, those guys got a great staff and. Uh, he does a really good job analyzing a lot of things. And he told me, one of the first things he told me was, Wes, you're going to see a lot more linebackers who are going to be recruited, and they're going to be 240 pounds or 245 when they get there because they're just going to completely change the way that Tennessee plays defense. And they're, those were defensive ends for Butch Jones' staff because it's just a different defense. And yes. you're right, they, you can do a lot with 240-pound athletes in this defense. Yeah, and that, that's what they wanted to do. And that's, you know, they're just – the plan, they're going according to the plan. I mean, it's just – this is what they've wanted to do, and they're kind of starting to do that on the trail, and you're seeing the kind of guys they want, and a lot of this is adding up. And plus they got two kids from Knoxville Catholic, which, you know, probably <laughs> means that they're going to win a national championship. That's well, just... and, and speaking of which, we got to touch on this offensive line class, which you mentioned – some of the underrated guys in this class. Uh, T. Hodge is a solid addition locally at running back. You know, I like Jabari Small as a versatile back who could play running back and line up in the slot. But some of the more underrated guys in this class that I like are on the offensive line. And Javantez Spragans and, and James Robinson, both of those guys could be maulers at guard for Tennessee. I love what they're adding on the interior line. They still maybe need a tackle in this class if it's not Reginald Perry. And again, I like his potential a lot on the offensive line, but Spragans and Robinson for, for how heavily recruited they maybe weren't somewhat because Robinson had some competition down the stretch from Mississippi state. Spragans had a pretty quiet recruitment after he committed to Tennessee on the spot in June, when he got the offer from Tennessee at one of their camps. Um, you know, those two guys maybe weren't the most heavily recruited, but man, Tennessee loves what those guys bring to the table. And I, I think they both are likely to end up at guard. And if they do, they could really improve that position over the next couple of years. All offensive line, they're developmental, but you've got to like those two. And then Jeremy Pruitt personally, but, but Tennessee staff as a whole just fell in love with Cooper Mays a long time ago. So to get a guy like that locally, who's a Tennessee legacy and all that, and, and have that guy as a center who's still going to get better over the next couple of years as he continues to get stronger and bigger, that, that's a nice offensive line class so far and still probably not done. You know, Whether it's holding on to Kyrie Miller, the current commitment who 
didn't sign this week or maybe adding someone else in February, that they'll probably try to add at least one more lineman in this class to, to what they already have at guard and center. That's a potentially really nice group. And, and, and down the road, if R.J. Perry becomes a tackle, might be a really underrated part of this class, what they've added on the offensive line. And Ryan, we, we've touched on this a little bit. We need to get to this now. Tennessee is not full. Tennessee has right now 21 signatures, at least that, that we know about. And, you know, we, we've said all along, you said all along, I should say that, that it's going to be 25 is what they're, they're shooting for. So obviously that leaves four spots out there that we can sit there and count and say, okay, one, two, three, four. We don't know that, but it looks like four spots that are available. There are two current commitments who did not sign yet. We'll see if, if Tennessee sticks with them. I'm sure you're going to have more insight to add on that. But the two big names that are still out there are names we need to discuss, and I'm going to throw the floor to you and tell me where Tennessee is with these two beasts. Yeah, I, I think I, obviously anything Tennessee does from here is going to depend on the on the two guys you're referencing, and, and that's Darnell Washington, the five-star athlete tight end from Las Vegas. Tennessee had him on on his final official visit just last weekend, and you know the big mystery this week is whether he's going to sign early, whether he already has signed early. Um, you know, the signing period ends Friday night and, uh, and, and I, I think he already might have, or, or he might do it before the end of the signing period. We'll, we'll, we'll see over time, I guess what he's done, but you know, he sort of had a tweet, uh, on Wednesday night hinting that he might've signed, you know, just sort of some emojis, uh, make, that made people wonder after saying Tuesday that he wasn't going to sign on Wednesday. So whatever the case, he's trying to keep it a mystery, uh, and, and trying to save that announcement for January 2nd. So we'll find out, but I still think it's Georgia or Tennessee, and again, Tennessee's done everything it can to put itself in good position there. So that's going to be an intriguing one to follow the next couple of weeks and see if anything comes out there, uh, if he confirms that he didn't sign or, or what we learned between now and January 2nd. But all eyes are on that one until there's some resolution to that. And then Jay Hardy um, looks like so far he's not signed uh, with, with Auburn. And, and that's the that was the hope for Tennessee going into early signing day. They, they fully expected him not to sign until February, but you prepare for any any possible surprises, and that would have been a bad one for Tennessee if he had signed. So far, he is not. If they get through Friday and he doesn't sign, that is very good news for Tennessee, and to me that means it, it's an open game again uh, leading up to February. Yeah, he, I, I don't know that he's looking at it as, I want Tennessee to continue recruiting me, but he's leaving the door open for that very possibility. He's, he knows Tennessee has never backed off of him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he still makes it back to Tennessee for a basketball game or something in January. That's what he's talked about already. So um, if he doesn't sign, that one becomes really interesting down the stretch. So everything starts with those two guys. As you said, one or both of those commitments, Darian Williamson or Kyrie Miller, still could sign with Tennessee or, or end up in the class, You know, whether it's a blue shirt deal, what, whatever they, they have to do to pull off. They, they might end up in the class one way or the other. But this gives them the option of adding some guys who might still be out there and they'll probably still kick the tires on some other players. D Beck with the four-star athlete from Florence, Alabama, they're going to be a factor with him. So a lot of options now on the board, including exploring the transfer market. Let's face it. They added D'Angelo Gibbs in January when they had some space. So now this allows them to maybe be a player with some of those guys who might be on the market as well. So Tennessee with, with a nice position right now, knowing they can sort of explore some options and see what's out there over the next several weeks and decide how they want to use those you know up to four spots uh, over the next uh, between now and February 5th so there is a chance and as you start looking at the at the rankings and you see okay well some of these 
classes that are ranked above Tennessee have more players in them right now. So basic reasoning. And, and that's not to mention that, that you know, rate, ratings can change. I mean, we'll, we'll see yep. where some of these things add up. I and mean, I think we've mentioned this before that some of these guys could, could end up with higher ratings. So that's possible. But, but even if they stay where they are, which I don't think they will, but even if they do, then Tennessee, you look at the rankings, they, they're still moved to room to move up there and pass some of these people. There is. And if, and if, I mean, especially Darnell Washington. He, a guy like that changes your class entirely when you only have one top 100 player right now, or, or I guess two, counting the 24-7 sports ranking of, uh, of Laneith Whitehead, but only, only one top 100 player in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. To add the number 10 player in the country in Darnell Washington would make a huge difference in the rankings, especially with how they're formulated. Um, so I, I, that, would, that would definitely give Tennessee a chance of moving up uh, a couple spots or more by the time signing day rolls around in February. If you were to add Darnell Washington and Jay Hardy, another borderline top 100 player, that, that could change things quite a bit. So you're still talking about some big wild cards out there and some guys that other teams will land too. So that, that makes things harder for you if some other teams make some additions down the stretch. But Tennessee definitely has a chance to finish higher than where they are now if they get either or both of those guys especially. But we'll, we'll see who else they end up being involved with down the stretch. Yeah, and Washington's the, the the second highest rated player in the country who hasn't signed yet that we yep. know of, or hasn't announced that he signed anywhere. I guess I should say so. Mm-hmm. There is there is room to to roam there, and we've said this before. When Tennessee's got some of those recruiters they've got on this staff, and they really target a kid, man, they got a they got a chance to do something. And and Brian Niedermeyer spent a lot of time recruiting Darnell Washington. That's one of the reasons I've never counted out Tennessee because I I don't think they waste their time a lot on on guys that they don't think they can get. You know that there there's some they've struck out on. Uh, uh, Tyu Jones Bell, uh, the wide receiver that signed with Alabama, you know Tennessee was in that one for a long time. You know, they're, they're, you're not going to get all of those players uh, that you go after for a long time. But Darnell Washington, in particular, Tennessee has invested a lot of, a, of attention, spent a lot of time going out to Las Vegas to see him. You know, Niedermeyer was the last coach out there to see him the Friday before his official visit to Tennessee, and then basically followed him, or you know, essentially traveled back almost with him. Um, to, to Knoxville for his official visit. I mean, they did everything they could to be the last school in there to be the last one to get a visit from him. That visit was sort of in the works for months. I mean, the setup was at least favorable for Tennessee. If anyone was going to beat out Georgia, Tennessee made sure that they were the team that had the best shot uh, to, to, to beat out Georgia, which has been the favorite for months. So I'm not ruling out anything in that one. And, uh, you know, again, it's not going to be a surprise at all if he signs with Georgia, but I'm also not going to be surprised at all if Tennessee pulls the, the shocker. And, and right now they don't have a single crystal ball prediction for Darnell Washington, but they've at least given themselves a shot to where that one's definitely worth following if you're if you're a Tennessee fan. Yeah, there's there's plenty more of that. And we're going to have plenty more of these conversations too. I, I think some of these questions are going to come up here also in the in the questions segment. So we got plenty to, to get to. We're overdue for a break. We're going to get to that. We're going to go pay some bills. Uh, here's some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things. Step away, come back in just one second and get to your questions, which, you know, as always, guys, we're, we're super eager to answer those. Hashtag I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not morally, ethically, spiritually, contractually obligated in any way, shape, or form uh, to listen to those ads. But for those who do, we appreciate that. It helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at Go Vols 24-7, helps us at 24-7 Sports. And who knows, during the holiday season, you you might even help yourself. You never know what you're going to hear. And honestly, sometimes we don't really know what you're going to hear. But... Uh, you know, thanks for those people who did that. That helps us a lot. Wes Rucker and Ryan Callahan coming to you here, talking a little Tennessee football on this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. And as always, uh, we usually do this on Thursdays. This is going to be on Friday this week, you know, because the schedules get a little bit mishmashed when there's both sports are going on at the same time. But here we go to your questions submitted on the Go Balls 24-7 checkerboard. The the first one, I believe, is... Uh, Okay, Ryan, this is from Stallion Ball. If you had to bet on one new recruit hitting big at Tennessee from this 2020 football class, who would it be? Man, there's some good there's some good possibilities. That's maybe the one area where this class, again, is a little bit short on just like surefire stars because they only have the one top 100 player nationally. But I do see several with that that kind of potential and a couple ring just outside that star range. I'm I'm really tempted to go with the guy like like Amari Thomas, just because one way or another, I just think he's such a good football player and such a good program guy that I don't see how he can't be uh, an impact player in some form or fashion. You know, even if he just ends up being okay on defense and you decide you want to give him a look on offense down the road, and I don't see that happening. But even if you had to do that, I think he'll he would do well on on offense in that situation. But I think he's going to be good enough on defense that no one's going to have that thought with him. So I, that's the one. You know, you could tell me. Some of these guys would be a bust, and it's at least believable, but I would be very surprised if Amari Thomas did not turn out to be a very good football player in, in some form or fashion. It's a good, that's, a, that, 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 that's a good pick there. I mean, I can't really argue with that. I, I think that you, you look at the ratings and you look at some of the, the film and everything and how some of these guys I think are really good prospects, but you're not sure exactly what position they're going to play. Uh, and that's the same thing with Thomas too, but sometimes if you're a stud, you're just a stud and you can step in and play the game. So that's a, that's a pretty good answer there. I don't, think I, I don't think I can improve it. Well, I was saying people gravitate toward him. Like he's just, he's going to be one of those guys that, you know, sort of a, you know, you don't want to throw around Trey Smith because there aren't many Trey Smiths out there, but he he's the most Trey Smith like guy in this class where I think people are just going to like him and he's going to be a popular player and he's going to be a good football player and someone that's going to help this program a lot in some form or fashion. I think one of those receivers is going to step up and have a really good true freshman season. For I'm not, sure. And I'm not sure which one it is right now, but I just look at the speed and I look at what Tennessee needs there. And I think one of those guys, I'm not sure who, but I think one of those guys will step up and have a big season. You know what? I'm inclined to say Callaway just because I think Hyatt's going to need to add some weight. He's a little on the thin side. So I think he's one that even though he's really fast and has really good ball skills that, you know, it's, I think he could use an offseason in the strength conditioning program before I'm ready to count on him as a, as a, an immediate contributor. But I think Callaway is a little bit bigger. He's going to learn, need to learn receiver quickly, but he's such a good athlete, and, and I could see him at least having a chance because, again, there is an opportunity there for somebody to help right away. Here you go, Ryan. Here's a combo question. We're, we're going to go with run through the tee and voodoo volunteer. They, they had a combo question here. It's three-parter. <laughs> What's the average age and weight of Tennessee's early signees? Uh, what's the average age and weight of the parents of the early signees? <laughs> and uh, then the grandparents. So go ahead. Give us your thoughts. Oh, man. Uh, so on the, on the signees, I would say the average age is – I haven't done the math here, but no JUCO guys in this class. So I think it's going to be 17 and a half somewhere close to that because I think you got some that are 18 and some that are 17. Um, so somewhere close to that. 
on the weight, I haven't crunched the numbers, uh, but I would say it's it's well over 200 pounds. I, I think you've, you've certainly got some 300-pounders in this class, not many that are under 200 pounds. So, yeah, I'd say the average is you know, what, well into the mid-200s probably. Yeah, and, I'm going uh, go to go 240. And probably correct the math on that. But, yeah, somewhere in that range and average age probably a little, maybe a little over 17 and a half. Yeah, that's probably right. Right. I'll, I'll say on, on I'll, the, I'll say about the 240. Parents. No, on on the parents. Let's see here. 17, 18. I don't know. 40. Yeah. 40 to 45, probably. Yeah, probably 40. I would think. And then because um, you got some young parents out there. No, it's probably over 40. I'll, I'll go over 40 somewhere. 43, maybe something like that. And then I'm you got and then you here. got then you got those of us over here. Like I'm 37, and and we have not 40. I'm 37, and we haven't had any children yet. <laughs> and my dad, well, my dad, the average weight. So well, no, I'm just saying. Gonna be, go ahead. I was gonna say it's under what the signees are, but it's still in the 200 plus pound range, probably, because you got some just big people that that are parents of these kids. Obviously, to make big kids, sometimes you got to have big parents. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think that's. Ryan, are you, that's are you saying that? Say are you saying that you weigh their mothers? Not at all. I would never. No, because it, that, it's, that, it's that, still, that, that's a really surefire way to get your face busted. Oh, for sure, for sure. But uh, and, and Tennessee doesn't weigh their mothers either. I don't think yes, that's not a way of projecting what they're going to develop into. But <laughs> they're like, uh, "Mama, step on the scale. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's an official visit. That means Mama's got to get on the scale. You, you got to do. You got to evaluate however you can. No, uh, but but yeah, I, I think the weight would be less on the parents. Um, you know, maybe even under two hundred pounds. I'm not sure. We have to have to check into that. But I but definitely lower, and then the age, obviously you know, a good 25 to 30 years higher, probably. Yeah. I was just going to say my, my dad was 40 when my youngest brother was born and, um, he looks like his granddad, you know, I mean, it's yeah. like, they're, you know, he, he'd be like taking him around they're like, Oh, look, you brought your grandson to practice today. He's like, that's my son. So that's what I'm going to look like. That's what my life's about to be like. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Next question. Voodoo volunteer. Also, if your child were a five-star prospect, you wouldn't advise them to sign an NLI. Would you? I absolutely would tell them to if they were a five star, I would tell them to not sign anything. I would tell them yep. to, to just deal with it and let the school take you and you can let's see what the coaching changes are, if anything goes on, anything fishy over the next couple months, and you just show up wherever you want to show up when you're ready to enroll and they will take you. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'll probably get somebody mad at me over this, uh somebody hearing this and saying, What what are you doing? Uh you don't need to convince recruits not to sign NLIs, but I, yeah, there's, it's, it's all protection for the school, very little protection for the kid. I, I just think, um, yeah, if I'm a five-star and I've got that kind of leverage, there's, there's not enough upside. If I'm Darnell Washington, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I'll see you when I see you. I'll, I'll, I'll yep. enroll when I'm ready to enroll. And until then you guys can, can, uh, can, can continue to prove yourself to me. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that, um, that's sort what of, now, if, if they were like a three-star, even like a low four-star, and they wanted to go somewhere and they wanted to make sure they had a spot. I'd be like, okay, go ahead and sign if you're that, that's fine. But yes. you, the question itself was five stars. And if it's a yes. five star, I'm saying, no, I am not signing it. Different story for sure with a five star. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they if had, you're a three star type kid whose spot is a little more fragile, I would, I would go ahead and sign. Oh, here's an interesting class or interesting question from Stallion Ball. How many members of the Tennessee football staff have secretly posted on 24 <laughs> seven in the past year? First off, if they had, I would not tell you. Secondly, yes. uh, I will not mention names, but I would say all of them, if not all of them are keenly aware of what's going on on go balls 24 seven in the checkerboard. I think I, that's I, fair to say. This question is, this question is coming from, and I know what you're getting at here is coming from a specific poster in general, that has raised some eyebrows recently and caused people to wonder if it's a staff member. I do not have any knowledge of it being a staff member. If someone is pulling it off, they're doing it 
through means that we're not aware of. So now I know, yes, there are people at Tennessee who keep an eye on, on things on our site for sure. But I am not aware of any staff members taking the time out of their day. Cause believe me, they're busy guys with bigger thing, bigger fish to fry than worrying about what's being said on a message board a lot of times. But yeah, I mean, but they're, they're, they're aware all, of this, but I'm not sure they're posting. aware. They're all, um, all of them to some degree or another are aware of what's going on on our site. They just are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the way of the world. They they see these things and a lot of honestly a lot of the players and their parents do too. I mean that's just hey it's <laughs> I've said it before even if you uh, even if you are anonymous and you don't have your your name uh, on your actual account in terms of your screen name and all those things uh, I would not say anything that you would not say to someone's face because you're probably yep. saying it and they're gonna read it so that's 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 how I would would look at that. Next question uh, let's see here we'll go with frustrated Vol. Is there any smoke around Brian Niedermeyer leaving? Um, I'll be honest with you. I've not heard a peep uh, about him possibly leaving other than the fact that everyone knows he's an elite recruiter. Everyone knows he's an up-and-coming rising star coach who probably could be a head coach one day. So there's always going to be interest. I have not heard anything. You know, like even like I think it was last year, I think it was when like Florida State and some others kind of tried to come after him. People are going to come after him every year. As long as he's at Tennessee, I, I just I, I've not heard of anybody saying, "Oh, he's going to yeah. leave." Same here. I've heard nothing, and I know people are wondering about that because he's not you know, supposedly not been as active lately on Twitter. I I don't know where that concern came from, but I've heard nothing that would suggest that. Here's here's my thought on that too. If Niedermeyer is going to leave for any other job, to me, it's going to be for a promotion, most likely. I mean, I, you never rule out anything in this yeah, business, OC, but I think they're OC associate head coach, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it would have to be something that's a clear step up for him professionally because. There's, I think there's a serious amount of loyalty between he and Jeremy Pruitt. I think Jeremy Pruitt wants Brian Niedermeyer to be on his staff as long as possible. And that might even include promotions down the road. We'll have to see about that. But I think, I think Niedermeyer is very appreciative of the fact that he got his chance to be a full-time assistant coach in the SEC with very little assistant coach experience. The fact that he was a support staffer and, and Jeremy Pruitt is likely to be re- rewarded by that with some loyalty from Niedermeyer. And I think you know Niedermeyer also will be um, – you know, that they'll, they'll be loyal to each other, I think, until it doesn't make sense for them not to be, or a promotion is just too much to turn down, and Tennessee can't offer the same promotion. Next question, run through the T. This is uh, one that he clarified. He said, looking over the past year, what's your favorite story time with Wes? And then I said, <laughs> what do you mean by that, uh, just, just to be sure? And uh, he, he basically said that, let me see if I may get this right. He goes, Patrick, Ryan, and Grant will know it's when you mm-hmm. go off on a tangent to reinforce the point you're trying to make, whether it's baseball, new puppy, Catholic high school, Chattanooga, et cetera. So oh. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess he was asking me, but it, it could be an interesting question for both of us. I don't know that I have a favorite. I'll tell you right now, when Ryan was going on one of his two or three-minute answers earlier, uh, and I knew that the floor was just going to be his for a while, the thought randomly popped in my head, do I still know cursive? And like, and so I started writing on a piece of paper and I tried to write practicing my cursive in cursive and I, no one would be able to know what it is. So I think I've lost the ability to write in cursive unless it's like my signature on a document. So that, that might be a great point. And I, and I saw earlier this week that there was a law being passed in some state, maybe it was New York. I don't want to get that wrong, but there was a state that basically passed a law like protecting cursive. 
Because, and I was thinking at the time, well, that's stupid. Don't kids still know that? And then you started answering your question. And I thought back to that story and thought, wait, do I still know cursive? And I started writing and I, and I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know it anymore. I could could read it. I could read it. I can't write it. So that's my answer. It's a lost art these days. I mean, you don't see it very uh, many places because we type so much stuff, but yeah, I, I, man, my favorite changes with the seasons, really. I mean, the, the new puppy stuff right now is sort of taking center stage. I, I still go back to any, any story about Wes's baseball career though. That's a, that's an all time personal favorite for me. Yeah. My, uh, my, my middling mediocre also ran baseball career that, that's, that, that got you, that got you recruited. Yeah. But <laughs> I think to boost APR scores or whatever, <laughs> they were like, they were like, wait, hold on. Can you walk and chew gum? What are, what are those grades? Hey, those look good. We could probably get you on an academic. Do you want to come walk on Th- that? It was that, 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 yeah. I mean, that's, let's, I mean, you have to have some self-awareness here and even I have a little bit, uh, next question. That one's already been asked. We'll go to the next one. From Titan Blue Go Vols, what is the best and worst Christmas presents you've ever received? Uh, wow, that's tough. You got any off the top of your head? Uh, mine would be it's the same answer depending on the day, and that is my brother. Uh, he was born <laughs> on Christmas uh, when when I was already I think twelve thirteen years old, and depending on the day. There is probably no one on this planet that, that other than maybe my wife that I love more than my brother, and there's probably no one on this planet that I hate more than my brother. It just kind of depends on the day. Uh, so that would be up there. In terms of a non, non-family, non uh, I would say when I was a kid and I got that Nintendo for Christmas, the, the original Nintendo, uh, that, that, was a, that was a hell of a gift. That was, that was a good one. That's a, that's a good point. Most of the most of the ones that stick with you are the ones you get at a, at a young age. So yeah, for me, the day I got a Sega Sega Genesis was probably right up there in the same same boat with that one. We we were always behind on technology growing up. We were like the last ones to get a computer among my friends, the last ones to get the internet. You know, as crazy as that sounds now, years later. So yeah, I think getting getting those types of things always stood out. That's uh, weird. worst that, Christmas that, presents. That, I don't know. That, that's weird. That's weird because I was the one who's got farms on both sides of his family. So I, I would have thought that my family would have that kind of a story, but it's yours. That's I wouldn't have. Predicted yeah. No. That. Well, we have. Yeah. My dad has run a farm for years in addition to teaching. So that uh, that maybe that's the common theme here. But uh, but yeah, that that probably stands out. Worst Christmas presents. I don't know, but I will say, as always, I, as as I feel when I give gifts, not that money or gift cards are ever not appreciated. They're just always the ones that are. Yeah, you know, like you can't, it's hard to get excited about this. It's impersonal. Yes. You know, and, and here's one thing, a uh, quick story time before we move on. Uh, <laughs> if you're wondering how to spice things up for Christmas, and I don't mean like um, in any sort of a way that you might be taking your brain to a, a, a naughty place, I'm saying like you want to change things up a little bit. Uh, every year for Christmas, uh, my wife and I have a tradition where we pick a color, and basically it's like, Anything less than you can spend, it can be one thing, two things, but it can't be more than like 30 bucks. It's the most ridiculous thing you can find in this specific color. And uh, we, we've had different colors over the years. It's always random too, like it's specific. Like we did chartreuse one year and uh, this year we picked lavender. I think we've done like pewter before. We, we just, we pick a random color and it's got to be the dumbest thing you can possibly imagine. And I've kept all the ones that she's given me and they're hysterical, like a big ceramic Buddha uh, like one year when it was chartreuse, she got the Borat mankini uh, for me, which I've never worn, but I've I've kept because it's just funny. So if you're looking for something different to do over the holidays, I suggest that you, you can you can get creative and fun. 
that would be my question there or answer yeah. there. Uh, let's see. Next question would be, uh, HBA. Yeah. HBA 1989. How many of the commits Tennessee got yesterday? Did you already know Tennessee was getting, um, a lot of people are always interested in knowing how the sausage is made. It's, it's interesting to me, but yeah, um, just enjoy your sausage. Okay. Yeah. Do you know, uh, do you know, if the more you learn about the way hot dogs are made and what's in them, the less you want yeah. to eat hot dogs. All right. That's right. Uh, I'll say this. I mean, if you read our coverage, if you follow our stories, if you read our commitment stories, you can probably answer that yourselves. Um, I mean, if you watch the show billions on Showtime, I will say, I, and, and to quote dollar bill from that show, I, I am not uncertain, uh, in, in, in many of those cases. So I, I'm not going right. to say I knew everything that was going to happen on signing day. You really, you really never do. Um, but I, this was one of those years we had, a, I think a pretty good feel going in for what was likely to be the outcome. It's an interesting thing because here it's when two completely opposite ideas meet each other. And what I mean by that is our instinct, everything we're ever taught in this business, uh, from the earliest time that we get in, it is you, you want to break news. You want to report news. You want to bring things to people that they don't know. You want to uncover things. And I think there are very few exceptions to that. Um, because I think that, you know, kind of, you know, sunshine's the best disinfectant on the planet. Uh, but uh, there are some exceptions. And one of them, in my opinion, is when a kid has committed somewhere and he wants to have his moment and announce his commitment publicly. I do believe, and it's not just because I work at 24-7 Sports, I, I have no desire to to report where a kid's going to go for sure until he said it himself. Because I think just let, they're kids, man. Let them have their moment. That's yeah, it's all about that. And, you know, it's one of those things you just you get to know these people throughout the process. You respect them. You, you want you don't want to take any anyone's moment away from them. So, yeah, I, I, I always want to be in on the secret, but I don't want to be the one breaking the secret unless someone gives me permission to, to do that. OK, we're going to go rapid fire now. We got we got several more, but we're going to get to them quickly. Uh, Simpson Vall looking at the SEC teams with head coaching changes and how bad their early classes rank. Uh, did South Carolina and Vandy make the right call to retain their head coaches? Too early to tell. I think if you're judging it based on early signing day results, I'm not surprised those teams are terrible because they've had less than two weeks to cobble anything together. Tennessee was the same deal two years ago. So that doesn't mean you hired the wrong coach. It just means it's a tough deal. And let's see what they do by February. I, I think Sam Pittman in particular has a chance to be a good hire. And yeah, I think, the, I, I I think like Arkansas absolutely I hope, right I hope he's a good hire. I think Arkansas absolutely did the right thing because it was clear after two years, Chad Morris was going nowhere fast. Yeah. And with Vandy, that opinion. Vandy, that's always different. And much champ, that whole thing's been handled wrong from the beginning. I mean, they've just, it made, has, they've made yeah. a complete meal of that. That's just been terrible. And Vandy, but, but Muschamp's always, a always done a good situation. job. And you know what? Landing Jordan Birch is just another good example of that. Like the, uh, potentially getting a five-star, I guess he maybe hasn't signed at this point uh, officially, but that's, that just shows you what that staff still can do. And Muschamp has always done a good job. The, the offense is the problem when they have some. You know, when they have a problem, it's usually on the offensive side. Woody 12 had a good question, but I think we've already answered it to a certain extent. Which offensive and defensive player do you like the best in this 20 man or 21 man signing class so far? Not necessarily immediate impact, but a player that will hit the hardest over their UT career. I'm going to go. I, I just, I got a soft spot for this guy, Bryson Eason, for me. I just think he's going to be a good football player. That's fair. Uh, defense, I've already said Amari Thomas, but I'll say close second, Keyshawn Lawrence. Uh, he's just such a good athlete. Uh, very low bus, bus potential. So you went with the two opinion. highest rated guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's a long shot, right? But, like, I mean, he's just 
he's just so athletic and so good that it's going to be hard not to find a spot for him where he can, where he can succeed. And then on, on offense, I'll, I'll go with someone who's not one of the higher rated guys. I mean, Harrison Bailey is easy to point to for a lot of people, but I, I, I think it might end up being Jimmy holiday in some form or fashion. I just love his upside and, you know, they don't have a guy like Darnell Washington or anyone like that right now to hang your hat on. So I'll, I'll, I'll swing for the fences and say it's, it's someone like a Jimmy holiday who just ends up being a, uh, maybe a star from this class that people aren't expecting. Yeah, that, that was, that was probably going to be my, my pick to be honest with you. I just really, really like his upside there. So with taking him out of the equation, I'll probably say Hyatt because that kid can just fly and I, he's a winner and I, I, you know, I like Holiday a lot too, though. That would have been probably my my pick. But hugely, hugely productive in high school. I will say this: my second choice might be James Robinson. I think that's the one. I think he and Spragans both. It's hard to pick between them, but I, I really like James Robinson's potential on the offensive line. Uh, next question, uh, Shelbyville Vol. How many grad transfers will be added for next season, and what positions? Uh, I don't know that any for sure will. I, I, it just depends on who else is out there. I mean, sometimes it's not even the position, but just the player. You know, D'Angelo Gibbs, I don't think they knew what they were getting in him last year. It's just you saw an opportunity and, and, and they took it. So I think the odds of quarterback being a possibility are, are significantly down because Garantano's had a good finish to the season and they've added Jimmy Holiday that might even stick at quarterback. So you, you've you probably diminished the, the odds of that being a possibility. But, you know, maybe maybe a pass rusher, maybe a defensive lineman, maybe an offensive, you know, something like that. I could see an offensive lineman perhaps if the right one popped up, especially a tackle. Um, if it's someone who could provide some depth there, but to me, it's gotta be more than a one year guy, uh, unless it's somebody really special. Cause it's just hard to get someone as we saw with Madre London and those guys, yeah, it's just yeah. hard to get a one year guy that really hits. Yeah. My, um, my, my random like prediction to look out for is if the right running back comes available, I still think that's something Tennessee would be interested in looking at yeah. if it popped up because I just, you know, the obvious one to me is pass rusher. That's the most obvious. I look at pass rusher and I say that's the obvious one, but the second one to me, if it pops up, running back is yeah. interesting to me. For 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 me, I I agree. Pass rushers where I can see a grad transfer. Running back is is interesting because I mean, yeah, look at, I, look, I do look think at like Grenard, like look at Grenard at Florida. Look what he's done. I mean that dude's yeah. just that dude's helped that defense a ton. He's awesome. Yep, and 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 Tennessee does still have a need at running back, and that's what they've been selling. And even though they've got a few guys who could play there in this class, I think they still feel like they could use a difference maker. So that's that's not unfair. Next question: Ao Main uh, said, uh, "Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? Mine, Cubby Blue. <laughs> blue. I, I hate to agree with you on much of anything, but it's it's blue. Yeah, it's Cubby Blue, right? Mm, you're nah. gonna you're gonna say navy blue. That's just a guess. It's, it's <laughs> probably a little darker than I don't like. I actually don't like royal blue very often. It's got to be a little darker. I love cubby blue. Uh, question: You knew it was gonna happen. Haynes sixty two hand to hand combat with all of the new signees. I guess he's thinking king of the mountain style. Who Ooh. would win? Man, uh, cop out to go with the heaviest guy probably, but I would not bet against Javante Spragans and much of anything. <laughs> not just because he's that big that and that strong. Large. He's just mean. He's too. Also, he's, uh, he's, he's, also, he's an intense guy. He's and from Jeremy East St. Pruitt, Louis, man. He's from East St. Louis. You do not get out of East St. Louis without being tough. That's just that's a fact. true. And Jeremy Pruitt, I th- one of the most striking comments to me was uh, of his signing day press conference was talking about Javante Bragan and saying he is probably as excited to continue his football career as anybody he's ever been around. Think about that statement. Yeah. This is the guy who's just thrilled to be playing college football. Guys like that. I, and he's he's admitted to me he's just a mean guy he just finishes blocks i i I can't see that guy not winning many fights uh next question we'll go with uh j bolt 10 do you think florida georgia and bama get better or worse next year um i think georgia 
it depends on what Fromm does. If he comes back, I think they probably are about the same. If he leaves, they get worse. Um, Don't tell Bama, Georgia fans that right now. They'll think that they, you know, some of them think that, that you know, they'd be better without him. But Yeah, I, can, I mean, I can understand that. But quarterbacks and uncertain. It's, it's a wild world out there with a quarterback question mark sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, I think they get better. Uh, that's me. Yeah, I, I mean, back. I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll see what goes on with you know the quarterback thing there. Well, you know, that that's interesting, but you know, I mean, it, no one's got a better roster other than maybe Clemson. So, I mean, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna be what they are. They're not gonna fall off the map as long as Saban's there. They're gonna be elite. That's just that is what it is. Florida, I, I and, think, and Florida the same. Yeah, I mean, Mullen, I think Dan they're Mullen, just gonna be a top ten or fifteen program. Yeah, Dan Mullen. I don't know if Dan Mullen's ever gonna win like a national title, but I'm telling you, there are very few better pure football coaches I think out there. That guy, he's weird. He's awkward kind of a nerd, but by God, he can coach football, man. He's never going to win the yeah. offseason, but when the season starts, he's just a good football coach. Uh, next question, UT Vol 16-18 said, who is the best interviewee on the current staff, and why is it Jim Chaney? Correct <laughs> yeah, answer. That's <laughs> correct. I will say this really quickly. Uh, you know, Jim Chaney's really good at, like, he'll he'll walk up during practice and just kind of, like, either, like, tap me on the ribs or something like that and then have, like, a funny comment just randomly and then just keep on walking right on by. Uh, and there was one time uh, during practice on Wednesday where uh, one of the position coaches or somebody threw a pass and one of the players caught it and he walked by me and he goes, that must have been a hell of a throw because even that kid caught it. And uh, I won't say which kid it was, but he's just making a joke. But that that's just Jim Chaney for you. I mean, that's just, you know, he is really, really a funny guy. And uh, I think a guy that also, speaking of Georgia, I think they miss him a little bit right now. Uh, next question, loud noises, define negative recruiting. Do you think every school does at least a little bit of it? I imagine some do more than others, but still. Yeah, uh, negative recruiting essentially is just pointing out all the flaws in your uh, opponents in, in a recruiting battle. So for Georgia, uh, this past recruiting cycle, it might have been, hey, Sam Pittman's not going to be there for long, you know, or hey, he might retire in a few years, or pointing out some area in which they struggle to develop players or put players in the NFL. It's pointing out anything that you think might prevent a kid from going to that school if you put that bug in his ear. So that's essentially the gist of it. And yeah, every team probably does it on some level, but there are some staffs who at least, you know, try to avoid that as much as they can. Uh, I define negative recruiting basically as trying to make yourself taller by cutting off someone else's legs. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is. That and, and everybody does it. Some do it worse than others, but everybody to some extent has at least a couple guys on staff who do that. Uh, it's just the way of the world. I hate it, but it's never going to change. Uh, Volhawk14, next question. We only got a few more left. Volhawk14 said, how many Vols do you think will be drafted in this upcoming NFL draft? Um, this number's gone up for me throughout the season. Maybe – Five or six? Yeah, I, I, I think I think five is is a is 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 a that's probably where I am right now. I'm of course I'm Trey I, Smith. I, I, is think, a huge I think wild I, card, I slept obviously. like I slept like three hours last night, so I'm uh, God knows what I'm thinking right now. It's been a long week, but I'd say maybe five. Trey Smith's a huge wild card. Jennings, I thought was an undrafted guy, but I think he could play his way into getting drafted now, as I've seen more and, and gotten more feedback on that. And then Callaway, uh, Nigel Warrior, I think's given himself a good chance of getting drafted with the way he played throughout the season, Daniel Batuli. So I, I think safely five, Daryl Taylor, six. I, I would go six right now, honestly. 
Yeah, that's six. Is, there's nothing wrong with that. I think five, six. That, that somewhere around there. That's probably the. the and there's right always answer. a chance someone like a Wood Anderson could even surprise you with a workout or something that puts him mm-hmm. on the radar more. So just oh, take, yeah, just, I think just, I think six is a good number. Just, just takes one team. Uh, next question: Titan Blue Govals, any chance to Magalit enters the draft? I'll answer this by telling you that uh, he was telling me this week that he or after signing day that he texted the uh, the incoming uh, snapper. Uh, the the Will Albright kid about you know hey let's I'm glad you're on the fa- in the family now let's roll so I don't think he's doing that if he's not planning on kicking at Tennessee next year so he's coming back and I don't know why he yeah. would leave early he's a kicker I'm being honest right uh, next question Jay Higg zero five three one uh, well, actually we've already said that what signings have the best chance to start next year well that's a, that's a little different question what signings have the best chance to start okay yeah uh, go ahead kinda, you're right yeah go ahead we kind of touched on that with the receivers I think receivers where you see the best chance on offense and I would probably you know, I personally, again, would lean slightly toward Callaway, but I, I almost say none of them. Uh, the dark horse would be Harrison Bailey. I'm sure some people will say that, but I, I just think with Garantano and some veterans there, I think that one's a little bit harder, but because he's an early enrollee, I won't rule it out. So I would say it's a receiver or Harrison Bailey on offense. On defense, I guess I would go with... I'm going to mm. tell, tell you, man, say, depending on how things shake out, I, I think you could even see a potential situation where Slaughter gets himself in there. That maybe in like a nickel or in like a in like a nickel or or you know dime roll you know money something like that. Yeah, I'd say Bryson Easton on defense because it's easier for linebackers than linemen to start right away. And even though Amari Thomas is good, I think he might be a rotational guy to start. So I'd say Bryson Easton because that that middle line or inside linebacker position is wide open with Batuli leaving, and uh, I think there's a big need for the need for that guy to to step in. So uh, it could be Crouch. You know, complicating the situation if they move him inside. He's got some options there, but I, I could see Bryson Easton definitely being a factor in that competition. And you know, I said I said slaughter, but you know, Lawrence also could play nickel or dime. So I mean, you know, yeah. uh, you know that that's one of those defensive backs. I think maybe, maybe, maybe has a chance. Uh, next yeah. qu- next question, uh, Orange in Carolina, ONC as we call him, said, "What did y'all or what? I guess he was asking this to me. What did you get Ryan, uh, Pat, and Grant for Christmas?" Do y'all have a party at one of your houses, maybe after the podcast, just outside of the studio at Fort Rucker or, or Rucker Ranch? It's Fort Rucker now because Rucker Ranch belongs to someone else. Uh, but uh, I did um, get them all gifts. And the reason I do that is because they, when we do podcasts, they drive over here to my house to do them. So I feel obligated to get them something for that effort that they do throughout the year. And I don't expect anything in return. I did get all of them something. Ryan's is particularly hilarious. And I don't think he'll ever be able to mention it publicly what it is, but it's going to be a good one. <laughs> I can't wait. It, 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 um, it popped up. It was yeah. it was the perfect gift at the perfect time, and I just I'm really really excited about it. Well, I'm I'm, I'm eager to see this now. And now you're, you're probably not. About you're, you're probably people not. wondering. You're probably not. You're, yeah, you're, you're not going to be excited about it. <laughs> but but people um, people will now be wondering what it is, and that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, next question: ONC on a scale of one to ten, rate how well this staff fared on early signing day, given the disastrous start to the season. I'm really pleased and would give it an 8.5. Uh, if DW Darnell Washington makes the correct announcement on January 2nd, I'm bumping that rating to a 10. Giving his parameters on how he how he phrased that question, when Tennessee's sitting there at 0-2 and after having one of the most embarrassing losses in program history and then kind of collapsing yep. against BYU, and to say they're going to have a top 15 class, I, I would go a solid 8 or 9 easily because that's just a, that's a hell of a turnaround. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I think 8 and, eight and a half. 
probably perfect. I think the only thing, honestly, that they've fallen short on that, that they could have done under the circumstances is get Jay Hardy the first time around. And if they get him in the end, even that's that's all remedied. But um, that that was a big loss that hurt them, and I don't think it's because of anything they did wrong. It just happened. But if they'd gotten Jay Hardy, I'd be I'd be at a solid nine, nine and a half even. But you're right. Darnell Washington makes this a, a 10 under the circumstances. Uh, we've only got three questions left. This next one is more of a point than anything else. It says, wow, Wes, you had a Fort Rucker and have a Fort Rucker and you had a Rucker ranch. Uh, if you get some Lincoln logs, you can build a whole town. Would that be like Peytonville on that on that uh, that insurance <laughs> commercial where he's like, yeah, and my team would be beating the Callahans like 100 to nothing. I would, you would be, I would be like, yeah, you're the worst team in the league. Look at that. And beating, beating the Callahan's hundred or nothing. So yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, we, we could do that. Maybe I'll get some, we'll have some kids one day and uh, get some Lincoln logs and we can build Ruckerville. Uh, next question, uh, run through the T and this is a good one. Um, and it's going to be answered in full on the hoops episode, which is coming out later today. Uh, so if you were coaching the Tennessee basketball team, what would you change anything? My quick answer is I would play Jalen Johnson a little bit more and figure out, if he could be a guy who could help you, because I think he can be. But we'll have more on that uh, here in just probably oh, a few hours when we drop the Hoops podcast coming up. So uh, last question from Volgal76. Uh, if you could live in or be a character from or in any Christmas movie, what would you be? Oh, man. You got any on this one? Um, um, I don't, it's not one of my favorite movies, but either of those characters in, in, uh, in, in white Christmas were pretty good. They, they could, you know, they could do the whole singing and dancing thing. They were with pretty girls the whole time. You know, they were up to no good having, having a good time. I, I might pick that one. One of those guys. Yeah. Hard to go wrong with that. I mean, most of the people's people whose lives that you would trade, trade with, uh, in Christmas movies, aren't they like the, the bad guys almost? They're like the rich bankers and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah like, would, you, would you want to, would you want to be, um, you know, diehard? Would you, I mean, like, cause you mean, yeah. you, I mean, you're not Bruce Willis. You'd probably die. And I do think it's a Christmas movie. And if you don't think it's a Christmas movie, you can just GTH because you know, it yeah. is a Christmas movie in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, cause it would be fun to like shoot a bunch of terrorists and kill them and stuff, but like you might die right. in the process. So that yeah, would, if that you're actually suck. replacing him, like you're screwed in that position. So maybe, that's bu- a good maybe, point. maybe buddy, the elf, he was always happy. I thought about buddy, the elf. I and, mean, if and, you could and, actually, and he ends up with Zoe Deschanel, you know, at the end, not Ooh, to spoiler good alert. Point. So that to me would be a, a huge win. So that's, that's, that's immediately my answer. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say. And I'm probably missing one, but if I can think of a better answer, I'll unlock this thread and answer it in written form let's put it yeah. that way uh ryan thanks for 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 doing this buddy i know we had some tech issues earlier and uh we got some of those corrected and it's been a really long week for all of us so i'll go ahead and get us out of here and uh thank you for your time absolutely thanks wes i don't why did i thank ryan for his time hey ryan are you there are you still there yeah i take yeah. i take that back just you're just doing your that's job that's fine you're just doing well, your you're job. thanking me for my time with my gift that's gonna humiliate me or whatever it is so oh yeah it's pretty bad and every, I think everybody else already on the staff like knows what it is. So it's uh, it's a crowd pleaser. I can't wait. Yeah, and we'll never be able to talk about it publicly. Guys, thanks, as always, for tuning in. You can find all of us, all of us on social media, as always. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Twitter. And Patrick Brown, who's been ghosting the podcast lately because he's – uh, he's he's been fortunate and been able to squirrel out of these things. He's P Brown twenty four seven on Twitter. Although I think he and I are going to have a bunch of podcasts when we're in Jacksonville. Spoiler alert! So he'll he'll be there with us again at that point. 
you can find all of us on social media if you just want Tennessee news and nothing else, just the facts, nothing personal, just the Vols. You can go to twitter.com slash govols247, or you can go to facebook.com slash govols247, where Ramey does an excellent job running our Facebook page and kind of spearheading all of that stuff. He, he seriously, he's a, he might be a, an idiot savant, but by gosh... He's really good at Facebook. You can go check that out. Or if you want to get your uh, your news directly from the source, that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, go directly to GoBoss247.com. We have deals throughout the holiday season. We've had a couple good ones. We'll have a couple more good ones later on. But if you go right now, you can still sign up, get a free trial there for a few days, check us out. And if you pay us, then you get free access to CBS All Access, the commercial-free package. That's $100 value that we are giving you in perpetuity as long as you are a member of our site you get free access to cbs all access which has a ton of sports a ton of shows movies everything the only commercials are for live events uh, everything in the archives you get commercial free that is a heck of a deal a hundred dollars be a great gift for someone so get yourself go boss 24 7 and then give someone else at cbs all access and and you're giving someone a great gift because everyone's gonna like that man who wouldn't want that so go do that. Go do that. Uh, we'll be back here in just a couple of hours with a uh, with a basketball podcast. And then after that, barring breaking news, you'll hear from us on Monday. So, guys, if you're out there for the holidays, be safe. Have a good time. And uh, we'll see you soon. See you.